Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, before I get started, if I don't stand there, does this count against my time? (laughs) I'm sure you saw we have a brand new series coming up called 2911. I'm not going to say it's the biggest thing I've ever been part of, but you know how I feel. Uh, Four weeks on one verse, Jeremiah 2911. I know the plans that I have for you, God says. And so I don't have any more time to talk about today. I'm not going to say it's the biggest thing I've ever been part of, but I suspicion that it is. So just (laughs) want to let you know that. It's going to be an exciting series. And if you need more joy in your life, if you need more excitement, if you're discouraged, you're going to need this series. I can't wait. I, I want to preach it right now, but I've got another, got another topic. That starts in two weeks. We've got one more talk out of the Promised Land series next weekend, and then we'll go into 2911. Well, while we're just chatting here, um, one of the favorite parts of my job is hearing the ways in which you personalize the message. I love hearing the message come back to me. Uh, because it's exciting to me to see what God uses out of a message in your life. And here's the thing. Always remember that when you hear a preacher of the gospel who's preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not the preacher that's having an impact in your life. It's the Word of God. I'm like a letter carrier. And the Holy Spirit has the ability to tailor-make the message just for you. And I, I love hearing it because, see, when I hear from you what God is saying to you through the message, and I realize the Holy Spirit of God is connecting with you. In fact, through the years here at New Spring, it's uh, been humorous to me that oftentimes someone will come to me and they'll tell me one line out of a message changed their lives. And I laugh because I think I only said that in one service. I thought it was a throwaway line, you know. I thought it was just Holy Spirit ADD that God has given me. But it's just what God does. It's what God does. And, and often I learn from you. You have ways of applying the Word of God that teach me. In fact, I, have, I think by now I have a whole book full of stories from Toes in the Water, from the Toes in the Water message, because so many of you have told me of what God spoke to you about that message or through that message that you need to take a step. And it's just been delightful for me to hear what you're learning from this series, Promised Land. But I'll tell you what's very clear to me, and that is that you're on the journey. I am so blessed to be able to be a shepherd in a congregation who are promised land travelers. You are not wilderness dwellers. You are not those people that go in circles in the desert. I mean, we have our issues, we have our challenges, but just listening to you, it's been very clear to me that you're on the journey to God's full destiny for your lives. And I know some of us are further along than others, But hey, the important thing is that you're on the journey that God has for you to be the woman that he wants you to be, to be the man that he wants you to be. Well, with all that good news, I don't want to rain on the parade, but there's something that I do need to prepare you for. You know how it is in the Christian life. A lot of you have been traveling for a long time. You know this. You start out, you know, in week one, we talked about how that God said to the people in the wilderness, you've gone in circles long enough. It's time for you to turn and head for the promised land. You've done that. And then, as I said a moment ago, the toes in the water message. It's when you just make those little starts to give God full control of your life. And you take that step that scares you, but you put your toes in the water. And then when that happens, the walls begin to fall. 
in the giant's fall, just like at Jericho. And it could be like last weekend, you're already at a place where not only are you on the journey, but other people have been drawn to you, and they want to be on the journey because of you. So it's just, it's great. You're in the zone. I mean, you're just watching it happen, and you get so excited about following God. But then suddenly, out of nowhere, it all seems to crash because you find yourself in a setback. Could be a relapse into a sin that you thought you'd conquered, and you find yourself falling back into something that you thought you would never have to deal with again, but in a moment of weakness, a moment of temptation, you cave, and you're just now questioning everything. Or to go back to our previous series, it could be that your old identity rears its ugly head and you find yourself acting like you're back in Egypt. You're not there, but you find yourself, what I mean by that metaphor, you, you just find yourself dealing with stuff that you dealt with before you accepted Jesus. You're falling back into that old lifestyle for a little bit. Or it could be that you have some kind of reversal in your life. Something goes so wrong in your life in such a painful way that it causes you to even question the whole God thing in general. Now, just as you have a God who loves you, you have an enemy who hates you. Satan is, is real. He, he's, you know, sometimes people, I have friends who are non-theists, and they will tell me, well, you believe in a, in a God, so you have to invent a nemesis, you have to invent an opposite and equal nemesis. Well, Satan may be opposite, but he's definitely not equal. He's just an angel that went rogue. But he is very powerful. And how Satan fights us, he's a spirit, he fights us in our minds. That's the place where he gets us. Here's the thing. Always remember that Satan, most of the damage that he will do in your life is not what he causes people to do to you. It's what he can get you to do to yourself. So when we have one of those reversals, Satan comes along and he says stuff like this to us, not out loud, but the message gets in. I told you there was nothing to this. And why did you believe all that stuff about being a new person? You're still the same whole loser that you always were. And so today, that's why I want to spend a little time talking about the negative side of being a promised land traveler. I want to talk to you about how to have a comeback after a setback, because if you are on the journey you and I, we have to remember that even though we're children of God, we have God's Holy Spirit living inside of us, we still have that old person that we'll have with us until we die or until Jesus comes, and we're just going to have setbacks from time to time. We're going to disappoint ourselves. We're going to disappoint others, and we're going to disappoint our Lord. But the good news is we don't have to stay there on the ground, as we'll see today. We can come back after we've had a setback. Well, let's go back to where we started in this series. The Bible gives us the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt, going into the promised land as, um, as an example. In other words, there were lessons that we needed to pick up. The New Testament tells us that over and over. In fact, let me just read a verse out of the New Testament uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in this context, the, the, the New Testament is talking about this story about the Israelites leaving Egypt. Now, read with me. All these things happened to them as examples. Okay, we're supposed to learn here examples as object lessons to warn us against doing the same things. They were written down so that we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. Now, that was written 2,000 years ago, but it seems to me that the, what the Bible is saying is this story about the Exodus, the Israelites leaving Egypt, going into the promised land, it was written exactly for you and me because we are living in the last days. All the signs of the time 
you know, in all those series that we've done in the Clash of Dynasties series, we know we're, we're locked and loaded. We're in the very last days. So what I draw from the verse that you and I just read is these stories about the Israelites in the Old Testament, they were written for people in 2022. That's why I'm doing this series. Okay. How do we get to this thing about how to have a comeback after a setback? Well, let's go back to when the Israelites entered the land. And by the way, if you haven't had a chance to watch Jonathan's message called What Walls, that would be important to watch for this series because it's about how the Israelites took the city of Jericho. And when you study the story of Jericho, as we saw, it's the most powerful city in the world. It had this series of walls. I mean, if you got over one wall, there was another wall. If you got over that wall, there's another wall. So archers could just pick people off as they tried to scale the walls. So nobody even attempted to try Jericho. But along come the Israelites, and God gives Joshua a plan. And the plan was very interesting. I mean, God said to Joshua, have the people, and they're probably, well, we know there's 600,000 soldiers. So I know there are a lot of people. God said, just march around the city every, one time a day for six days. And on the seventh day, do it seven times. I mean, I just think about the psyops that, that had to be for the people that lived in Jericho. Because here's this silent chant, you know, this little drumbeat. And the people are just walking around the city. And then here they are again Tuesday. And then here they are again Wednesday. And then on the seventh time, just as God gave them the plan, the walls fell and they took the city, they took the most powerful city in the world, Jericho. And it was great because they had a pep rally. I mean, who could, who could believe this ragtag group of people that had never really been in any kind of big battle, a big war, they'd had small battles, but here they are taking the most powerful city in the world and the walls collapse. They have a pep rally. They're celebrating I mean, we know the story. It's a famous story. As I'll show you in just a few moments, it became part of a famous song. What a lot of people don't know is that right after that disaster struck, it was in a little town with a little name. I guess the smallest, smallest name of any town in the Bible, just two letters, A-I. I mean, if you were to think about it in size, it was basically a suburb it was a tiny village compared to Jericho. AI didn't have any walls to speak of. They had no worldwide reputation like Jericho. I mean, it should have been like swatting a bug. Because here are these soldiers. Here's this army that just overran the biggest city in the world. But look what happened. Let's read. If you have your Bible, look at Joshua chapter 7. If you have an electronic device, just fire it up and get to Joshua 7. Look at verse 4. They were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. So the Israelites are trying to run away, and the people of Ai are killing them while they're trying to leave. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If, you're, uh, if only we had been content to stay on the other side. Now, this is God's leader. And, 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 and Joshua, and if, just for serious purposes, Joshua said, Oh, God, I wish I'd just never put my toes in the water. I don't know, maybe there's somebody here feeling this. I mean, two weeks ago, you put your toes in the water, and you're like, if only I put my toes in the water. This is God's leader. He's saying, 
I mean, basically what he's saying is tantamount to saying, I wish we had stayed in the wilderness. Well, you saw what I saw a few moments ago. The New Testament says we're supposed to learn lessons here. So what are the lessons that we need to learn in these few minutes of this talk? Well, number one, what caused the setback? Because something definitely went wrong. Because, see, we're, we're supposed to draw a lesson from this, so we need to figure out what caused their setback because it could cause our setback. And the second thing we need to see is how do you come back after a setback? So if you'll give me 15, 20, 30 minutes, I'll show you from the Word of God. Let's start with this. What caused the setback? The Bible's empirically clear here. There were two things. Two things that caused the victors at Jericho to be the defeated runaways from Ai. And here's the first one. Overconfidence. Or better yet, misdirected confidence. Look at two verses and we'll see this clearly. If you look at the last verse of chapter 6, which is the story of Jericho, notice something. The Bible says, so the Lord was with Joshua. That's the first clause. And his reputation spread throughout the land. Now, New Spring, let's slow down and take a deep breath here because there's a whole lot of difference between that first clause and the second clause. It's one thing for God to be with us. It's something else for our, rep, our reputation to spread. This is what we have to watch out for. Please hear my heart on this because I know what I'm talking about personally. When you get into the zone and you begin to sync up with God, and you begin to, you know, do the things the Bible talks about in the series. You, you put your toes in the water. You begin to depend on God. And God starts making walls fall and giants fall down. People on the outside are only going to see you. And they're going to say stuff like, you know what? I, I just didn't know she had that in her. I worked with her for 15 years. I just, I just didn't know that she had that in her. Or, you know what? I, I, I know that guy. I, I mean... You know, if you could have seen him six months ago, you wouldn't believe who he is today. I mean, the stuff he's doing, you know, and, and, and then what will happen is people start patting you on the back and they're going to say, you know what, I'm impressed with you. I'm impressed with what you're doing. And they'll start talking to other people and they'll talk to other people in the office. Just say, did you see what she did on that project? Now, that's a, a pleasant place to be. When God really begins to, you know, you, you'll feel that turbo kick in in your life. It, it's a wonderful place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. Could, I didn't say this last night, and I probably won't say it at 11.15. So you'll be the only ones who hear this. Unless I say it at 11.15. <laughs> and then all the people on television will hear it too. No, I'm really, really serious with you. I have watched what God has done in and through my life. And I've watched the impact that God has allowed me to have, not just here, but around the country and even in other nations. And it's really a challenge because people want to pat you on the back and they want to talk about you. It is very important for me that I stay in the closet on my knees before the Lord and remember who I am without him. Because, see, when God begins to work in your life and stuff begins to happen that's outside the norm and outside your capability, 
Your reputation will spread, but you got to remember that reputation stuff. Don't listen to that. Listen to who you are. Stay, stay synced up with God because you tell you what, if you stay synced up with God, those walls will keep falling down and those giants will keep falling down. And you know what? You don't want to give that up. I mean, what difference does it make if people talk nice about you? I mean, here's the thing. I, remember, I think this was... Uh, Charles Spurgeon, who told this story uh, over 100 years ago, he talked about a, a young man who went to a very powerful older preacher and said, can you tell me the secret of ministry? So he took the boy out to the cemetery and stood over a grave, and he said the most awful things he could say about the guy in the grave. And then he asked the boy if he learned anything from it. And the boy said, no, you just said a bunch of bad things to the guy in the grave. He said, well, come back tomorrow. And we'll, I'll show you something else. He came back the next day and he said all kinds of flattering good things about the guy in the grave. And, 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 and then he asked the boy, did you learn anything from it? And the boy said, I don't have any idea what you're doing. It seems crazy to me. And he said, son, let me tell you something. When you can be as dead to criticism and as dead to praise as that man in the grave and just listen to what God has to say about you, then you're ready to minister. And that's important. One of the most famous songs in history it's uh, 150 years old. It's been covered by everybody from Bing Crosby to Elvis. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. But did he? Did he fight the battle of Jericho? No. He just listened to God and he walked around the city seven times and then seven times on the seventh day. Now, as I said, we're talking about the setback at Ai. How did it happen? I said misdirected confidence. Let's read. Look at Joshua chapter 7 verse 2. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethhaven. When they returned, they told Joshua, listen to the language. There's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 to attack Ai. Since there's so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. Did your ear catch what mine caught? They're suddenly starting to measure the size of their opposition in contradistinction to their own size. In other words, they're beginning to think about how strong we are, how strong they are. Funny, they didn't do that at Jericho. I mean, when they were watching around the city of Jericho, they didn't say, well, how strong are we and how strong are them? There were walls in between. But suddenly when they go to Ai, it's no longer asking God for the plan. It's just, okay, they, got, they don't have too many people. We don't need to send a bunch of people. We'll just send two or 3,000 men up there. And they got their backsides kicked. See, and this is the lesson for us today. At Ai, they've completely left God out of it. You know, if I have to go through something challenging, it's very important to me that I learn the lesson. I don't want to go through something difficult and not learn the lesson, but there's one thing worse than that. And that's going through something challenging and learning the wrong lesson. Because then we think we know what we need to know. See, when they walked around Jericho and the walls fell down and then they came to Ai, here's the lesson they picked up from Jericho. We need God for the big problems, but we can handle the little ones. Now, here's the thing. Most of us who are Christ followers, we will never say that verbally, but in a tacit sort of sense, if we're not careful, we'll develop that. God, you know, I've run into something I can't handle, so now I'm going to pray about that. But this is something that I handle every day. But how many times do we find ourselves dealing with something that we thought we could handle, and then out of nowhere comes some sort of side issue that we never expected? 
And that's how we win at Jericho and we get defeated at Ai. Well, they got this idea that we can do this without God. And God said, okay, if that's how you feel about it, I'll just step out of the room and I'll let you see how things are without me. Oh, this is silly. I grew up in a small church. My dad was a pastor. And especially on Sunday night, he just kind of let anybody sing a special who wanted to sing a special. And it created some interesting Sunday nights. <laughs> we had this one lady. She was a sweet lady, but she couldn't carry a tune for sour apples. And she sang the same song every time. It was a good song. I mean, it's a mile and LaFever song. I mean, like, everybody's covered that from, like, Elvis covered it. It's called Without Him. It's a good song. But, but, but she sang the same song every time. But it was what she said before she sang <laughs> that always used to get my 12-year-old mind. She would get up and say, with the Lord's help, I'd like to sing without him. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> you know, I'm not 12 anymore. <laughs> A lot of years have gone by, but how many times, even though I didn't say it, I said, I'd like to sing this song without him. I just don't need him on this. It's a small thing. I'll need God for the big things, but not the small things. New Spring, I've been preaching this since I was a teenage preacher. There are two verses in the Bible that you need to have in your heart and mind and juxtapose them against each other. The first one's in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 5, spoken directly by Jesus when he said, without me, you can do nothing. Can we own that today? I mean, you may be the CEO of your company, you may be the lead partner of your firm, you may be the owner of your company, and make God to be gloried for his blessing in your life, but could I just say this to you? Without Jesus, you can do zero. I mean, the word of God says, in him we live and move and have our being. You say, Mark, listen, I do this because I've got a good education, I do this because I work hard, I do this because I've been smart. Let me ask you a question. Who was it that allowed you to be born in a place where you had access to a good education? Who was the one who gave you health and mental capacity, mental, mental acumen to get that education? Who is the one who gave you the strength and who gave you the favor to get the job and get the business that you have? Who is it that walks with you every day of your life and keeps oxygen coming into your lungs and carbon dioxide from going? And, I mean, who is it who keeps you alive? Who is it who keeps your motor running every day? It is God Almighty. God forbid that we should ever believe we can do anything without Jesus Christ. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But now, look at that against Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you catch that? On one side is nothing. On the other side is all things. And what is it in the middle? Who is it in the middle? It's Jesus. Without Jesus, you can't do anything. With him, there's nothing you need to do that you can't do. That's the lesson to learn. I'm telling you the most dangerous thing that we promised land travelers can possibly say God, I got this thing now. See ya. It can turn the triumphs of Jericho into the disasters of Ai. And I've got the scars to prove it. But there was a second problem. We're asking the question, what was it that caused the setback? There's a second problem. We need to pay attention to what the rule that was broken before we get into that. See, in Joshua chapter 6, God had said to the people of Israel, everything in Jericho is cursed. 
This is a wicked place. God is like, I've cursed the whole city. Not just, not, not, it's not just set for destruction. It's like everything in the city is set for destruction. It was already under judgment. It was already, the verdict was already there. So here's what God said to them in verse 18 of chapter 6. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring, bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Well, everything there was under God's curse. So as God is beginning to unpack the second thing that went wrong, I need to introduce you to a guy named Achan. Achan was just one of the Israelite men. <laughs> hey, um, in, in, the, in the Bible, people's names have meanings. And I always wonder, did they get that name when they were born? Or did they get it in the first grade? Or did they get it, you know, you know what Achan means? It means trouble. Remember the old Travis Tritt song, T-R-O-U-B-L-E? Well, that's, that's Achan. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if his mom had difficulty in birth and she just said, I'm going to call this kid trouble because that's what he's been. Or did he just get it as his personality began to come out? I mean, some of you are teachers, and you would never admit it, but you've had a kid in your class. And... You, here it is. It's just middle of September, but you've already identified him. <laughs> By the way, we need to give it up for our teachers. Amen. That's just. A... <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, in the first grade, and the teacher just said, you know what? That kid is trouble. I don't know. Maybe his parents gave it to him. Maybe his, <laughs> ladies, maybe his wife gave it to him. Just everybody, went, and, 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 and literally, when, when they saw him, here comes trouble. I mean, trouble is his name. And it certainly was for Israel. I mean, God shows jo Joshua the issue, the second issue that's, that's in the camp. A man named Achan had stolen some of the dedicated things, so the Lord was angry with the Israelites. And God said later, they've stolen some of the things that I've commanded must be set apart for me. And they've not only stolen them, but they've lied about it and they've hidden. Notice the three verbs there. Stolen, something they shouldn't have. Lied about it, because that's what happens when we do something we shouldn't do. We have the temptation to lie about it. And then they hid it. And God said in verse 12, that is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat from now for now Israel has been set apart for destruction. In other words, something that was set apart for destruction has gotten into the camp of promised land followers, and God is like the judgment that's on those items is now on the people. And then I, I think about this line. God said, I will not remain with you any longer until you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Now, God didn't mean that he was never going to have anything to do with them. It was just on this little journey into the promised land, I'm going to step back until you deal with what needs to be dealt with. You know, New Spring, this is ultimately going to cost Achan and his family their lives, and it's just a horrible tragedy. Do you know what it was over? I mean, think about what Achan gave up, because he gave up the promised land. He gave up his destiny. God had said to the people of Israel, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to, it's Canaan is a turnkey job. God is like, I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. But Achan decided, you know, and this is what amazed me. I thought about it while I was driving down my garage this morning to come over here. 
If you're aching, why do you flip God off after you've seen him open the Jordan River, after you've seen him make the walls of Jericho fall down? I mean, if a God is that powerful, why would you flip him off? But Christ followers do that today. Blows my mind. It was all over an imported set of clothes. There was a, a robe from Babylon. I guess, I don't know, did it have some kind of designer name on it? Some silver coins and a gold bar. I mean, if you were to take that to its most inflated worth in 2022 terms, $20,000. Would you blow up your destiny for $20,000? Would you blow up your family's destiny for $20,000? And yet here's Achan. I mean, he's been told, leave everything there. It's under judgment. And Achan sees that designer robe, he sees those silver coins, he sees that wedge of gold, and he's like, I know what God said, but I... I mean, here's the thing. Did he, did, he, did he not think that God was powerful enough to deal with him? I mean, he clearly had to know how powerful God was, but I think he thought, he won't do it to me. Maybe the reason why he was troubled was he thought he was special. Probably there's a little narcissism in Achan. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you're God's son, you're God's daughter, you're a promised land traveler, but there's something in your life that you know is not right and you shouldn't have it, you shouldn't be doing it. And it's something you've taken or it's, it's not something you're supposed to have. And if you were ever called on it, you would, you would say you haven't done it. But the main thing is you got it hidden. And you say, I can't give it up. It could be a relationship you know you shouldn't have. It's a toxic relationship. It's not good. You shouldn't be, shouldn't be with somebody like him who treats you the way he treats you. But you're like, I can't give him up. I can't give it up. I can't be without this. Years ago, I fell in love with a verse from 2 Chronicles 25. It's the ninth verse, and I think about it almost every day because, you see, if you're a promised land traveler from time to time, you're going to have to say, I know I could have that, but I shouldn't have that. Fall in love with this one sentence. The Lord can give you much more than that. Whoa, don't you love that? I wish somebody would write a song with that title. The Lord can give you much more than that. Listen, if there's something that you have to put aside because you're a promised land, you're a daughter of God on your way to your destiny, if there's something you have to give up, don't worry about losing it because the Lord can give you so much more than that. If you have to give up that jerk, don't, don't worry about that. The Lord can give you somebody way better than that. If there's something that you have to put down because a Christ follower shouldn't have it, the Lord, you don't want to give up what the Lord has for you because of the trinkets from Babylon. Well, I'm out of time, aren't I? Okay. Real quickly, let me just go through the notes. Sorry about that. But that's pretty good. Here's, here's something you and I must hold. And I, I, even with limited time, I can't leave this out. It is true that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, but you can't afford to have anything in your life that has God's judgment on it. 
You can't afford to do anything in your life that's got God's judgment on it already. Because see, we, we tend to think it's a personal thing. You know, well, God loves me, has a wonderful plan for my life. So I've got this wedge of gold. I've got this designer robe from Babylon. But God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Somehow we have this idea that because God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our life, that overrides the fact that we have something that we shouldn't have in our lives. Well, we don't understand. It's just the opposite. Because if we have something we shouldn't have in our lives, it overrides the fact that God has a plan for us. And it gets in the way of destiny. But here's the big lesson on this one, and that is that sin is most dangerous when it's hidden. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's something about hiding our sin that irritates the Lord, really irritates him. And I think it's because of what we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. I mean, it's kind of an insult to him. I mean, nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we're accountable. Parents, do you know what it's like when you've got a two-year-old who thinks he's hiding something from you and you're watching him hide it? That's what it's like when we hide our sin. And like I say, I think it just really flips God off with both hands. I'm so sensitive about this. I get butterflies in my stomach when I go to this part of the message, but I need to go here. Are you here today and you feel dead inside? You're a Christ follower and you feel like heaven is iron and you can't get through? I mean, I'm not saying this is the only reason, but you do owe it to yourself to ask this question. Do you have something hidden? Is there something hidden? Okay, I promised that there were two parts to this message. We've talked about what caused the setback. Let's talk about how to have a comeback after a setback. And here's the good news. It's right here for us. Number one, get up. Get up. Let's read it together. Joshua chapter 7. You saw a few moments ago he's lying face down on the dirt crying, did it all day long, feeling terrible about things. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? See, this is really interesting. I wish I knew how to preach. I think some of us have the idea that when we do wrong and things go south, that what God really wants us to do is lie on our face and feel really bad. Like there's something beneficial in just having our face in the dirt and feeling shame. Well, that's guilt. I mean, God wants us to experience conviction, but he doesn't want us to experience guilt because guilt is a wasted emotion. I mean, here's Joshua. I think he's, he's feeling like maybe this is what God wants. He wants me to lay there and stay there. I know that's not good grammar. But lay there and stay there. I mean, we, we, we lost here. We must have done something really wrong. I'm going to put my face in the dirt. I'm going to cry all day and feel like a loser. But God said to Joshua, hey, listen, you've got a whole lot of journey left. Get up. Hey, listen, if you're in a spot today where you've got some kind of hidden sin in your life and it's wrecked your life right now, well, here's the thing. God doesn't want you to lie on the dirt and cry. He wants you to get up. That's the great thing about God. God is always in the new beginnings. The Bible says in the book of Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every morning. If yesterday was a disaster and you failed, God, get up because his mercy train is running right on time today. Just climb on board and experience God's mercy and get a new start. Get up. Number two, his instructions were dig it up. Now listen, New Spring, this is big. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, you will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things. 
See, there's a lot of us. We, we, we've got something hidden in our tent. There's some men here today. You've got pornography hidden in your tent. Your wife doesn't know about it. Nobody else knows about it. And that's a big issue today. A lot of men dealing with that. Really, it's kind of a, it's really a drug. I mean, it, it creates a natural, natural reaction in the brain. And, and here's the deal. You want to do great things with God, and you just say, okay, here's, I'm going to negotiate with God, and I'm going to say I'm going to keep this going because I can't stop it, but then I'm going to go do these things for God. And here's what the Word of God says. You will never defeat your enemy until you deal with these things. You've got to dig it up. Dig it up. Don't leave it in the ground. See, here's the thing. As soon as we dig it up, we experience mercy. The Word of God says in the book of Proverbs 28, whoever hides his transgressions will not succeed, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. Why do you want to leave it buried in your tent and it's keeping you from experiencing God's full destiny? Get up, dig it up, bring it to God, confess it. Confess it and forsake it. Whatever it is hidden in your life, it could be an affair. It could be in a relationship. It could be something dishonest that you're doing. It could be something in your life that only you know about. But here's the deal. God is saying it's stopping you. You will, listen to this language, you will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things. And this is why some of us have been Christ followers for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and we haven't made any progress at all because somewhere back there we buried something in our tent and we stubbornly will not dig it up. And God is like, we're not going one centimeter further till you dig it up. And why do we not? Because our God is merciful. I know I've told this story before, so I just tell you that so that you're like, you're like oh, Mark's told this story before. So I want you to know I know it, okay? just fits here. I grew up a pastor's kid back in the day when everybody, the guys all wore suits to church. Boy, I don't miss those days. And I wasn't crazy about it at the time, but my parents insisted on me wearing a suit to church. And I remember when I was about 12, my parents, this is in the very late 60s, my parents bought me uh, a suit from the Times. And for all of you who weren't there at the time, you just can't imagine this. It's kind of like you know, it was a suit kind of like the Beatles would have worn, the Rolling Stones would have worn in the early days, you know. And this particular suit, you know, stovepot legs and just kind of a small, tight jacket, the color was like a metallic copper. I mean, it's like when the sun hit it, it lit up the whole west side of Fort Worth. You know? And I, for the life of me, I could not figure out why my parents loved that suit. But they did. They were just, are you going to wear the copper suit today? I'm like, well, okay, I guess so. But we had one of those dinners that you have at church, and I remember something really went south. I wasn't being careful when I was eating, and I was eating a piece of big slab of apple pie, and it fell off into my lap, and it just caked. You know how some of those apple pies are just goo. It caked the entire front of my slacks. And I knew I had ruined my parents' favorite suit. So what I did is I went home, took the suit off, took the pants off, and I stuffed them in the back of my drawer where my mom was not apt to find it. But then there would just be Sundays where Dad would say, you're going to wear that suit today? I'm like, I just don't feel copper today. <laughs> and I, I'm ashamed to admit it. I made up all kinds of lies and stories about why I wasn't going to do it. Ever get tired of lying? I mean, many of you may never tell a lie, but if you've got something hidden and you've got to keep that going, isn't that heavy? Isn't that a burden? And finally, I just got tired of lying to my dad, and I remember going into my 
chest of drawers, reaching into the back and pulling out that wadded up. Now, now there were two problems. Not only was it caked with apple pie that had been there for like months, now it was just all wadded up. And I remember taking those pants out and going to my dad and saying, Dad, I need to be honest with you. I ruined your suit, your favorite suit. I got apple pie all over it, and I stuffed it in the back of my chest of drawers. And I'll never forget my dad's face because I was expecting the wrath of God to fall on me on that very spot. <laughs> and dad said, that's no problem. We'll just take it to the dry cleaners. That's the first time I ever heard that term. What's dry cleaners? <laughs> that's just not a problem at all. You just let, let me have it. Took it to the dry cleaners, and I was in the miracle of the dry cleaners, you know, when it came back. And I've thought about that story so many times. You see, that's what happens when you dig something up and you bring it to God. And you're like, God, I've just ruined my life. I've ruined my life. And I dig this up. But then your heavenly father says, that's not a problem for me. I put my son on a cross to pay for that. Let me have it. How to come back after a setback, get up, dig it up, bring it to the Lord. Let's pray. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I'm not sure I have a relationship with God. Well, you know, <laughs> you just bring your life to the Lord because Jesus died for your sins. That's your ticket into heaven. That's your ticket to forgiveness. He died for your sins. He paid for everything you did wrong. And then after he died on the cross, he arose from the grave, certifying that everything God says about Jesus is true. The Bible says if you will believe the message about Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God will move into you and you will have the assurance of everlasting life and that God will go with you every step of the way. And it's a gift. You couldn't earn it if you tried. You can't change your life enough to get this. It's just a gift. And since it's a gift, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer that reaches out to God and asks for eternal life. And if you want to pray with me, you can. I'm going to pray these lines slowly. And if you want to say them with me, you don't have to say them out loud. You can say them in your heart. The Lord hears you. Dear God, I am a sinner. I can't fix myself. But I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe he arose from the grave. I may not understand it, but I believe the message. I want Jesus to be my Savior and my King. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray with me, whether you're on campus or off campus, just text the word PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97000. I have a gift for you. There's a new spring Bible, a book I wrote called My New Walk with God, and just some other cool things. It won't cost you anything. If you're on campus today... You can get it before you leave. If you're watching online, just follow the steps. If you're watching on television, follow the steps. We'll mail it to you. But if you're on campus today, just go back to any info center and say, I pray with Mark, and you can take this with you. No strings attached. God bless. We'll see you next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time newspring.org.